0: Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to episode 115, How Carl Iglesias Writes. In this episode, brand new, with Carl Iglesias, he and I dive into a topic that has been heavy on my mind, heavy on the Inside a Happy Writer community. We've been talking about this a lot um, in our coaching calls and other podcasts. That topic is, drumroll, blah, 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 blah. theme, theme, magical, mysterious theme. You know, sometimes the universe keeps sending you things and at a certain point, you start to think like, am I meant to pay attention to this? And I have to say, after this interview with Carl, my mind has been rolling with thoughts on theme, how theme works in my novel. I've I've struggled with it. I mean, if, if you listen to the podcast, you know, it's a, it's a point I've really struggled to nail down. And I have to say, this interview with Carl is the deepest dive I've ever gone on with anyone on the topic of theme. And I think... If you're if you're in that spot where you're writing a you know a novel and maybe you don't quite know what the soul of the book is about yet, boy, oh boy, this is an episode for you. Carl is a master educator, script consultant, screenwriter, and he's even writing his first novel now, and he just understands story and psychology, philosophy, all of that rolls into what winds up being a really fun about one hour podcast so. I will say no more. Thank you. Except, <laughs> I'll say no more except thank you to Carl for his time sharing so much with me. And now, my friends, without any further ado, here is episode 115 with Carl Iglesias. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Brian, and today's special guest is Carl Iglesias. Carl is a writing teacher, script consultant, and author of the books Writing for Emotional Impact and The 101 Habits of Highly Successful Screenwriters. Writing for Emotional Impact is an absolute must-read for writers out there, for novelists out there especially if you are writing plot-heavy works that maybe seem a little stiff. Um, I could not recommend this book more. It's kind of up there with uh, some of the best craft writing books I've ever read. And like many of you, my friends, I've read a lot. Anyways, I'm super excited to interview Carl because I've gotten like a thousand people asking that I bring more screenwriters onto the show. Carl has a rich background in screenwriting. And so with that, Carl, welcome.
1: Uh, Thank you. My pleasure.
0: So um, here's where I want to start. I want to start with your story. And I have a question for you, which is, do you remember the first time you wrote a story? Like, Do you remember your first story?
1: I do. But my very first inclinations of storytelling was me playing, I, I grew up in France, Okay. And we used to have something similar to G.I. Joe's, like the old dolls, right? G.I. Joe's, except we call them big gyms in France. <laughs> and it was cowboys and stuff. And what I remember doing, like the earliest memory I have as, as a child is actually playing and making up scenes. So I was making up scenes and, and stories with, with the dolls, basically. And so that was, to me, was my first, uh, my first instinct of, uh, of uh, storytelling, um, I didn't think of becoming a writer, though. I thought maybe I'd become a, you know more of an actor, mm-hmm. and that's actually what brought me to LA originally. Only to discover that because of my kind of my accent and, and me kind of being more of an introvert and being shy, I was really terrible at auditions. But what that led me to is discovering the screenplay, and that was like a, a huge you know punch to the stomach uh, epiphany, clouds, red sea parting, that whole thing. of of discovering that, wow, this is something that you have complete control over in creating, whereas everything else around the screenplay, you have no control over. So if anybody remembers the opening scene in um, Tootsie, right? Michael, the character is an actor and it's uh, like a montage of auditions. And it's like, too short, no, too tall, (laughs) big nose, short nose, right? Like you can realize there's complete no control no matter how great you are, but the screenplay now that you have complete control over, including of course any type of writing—the article, the essay, the play, the novel—and um, yeah. yeah, so it it gives you kind of like this this you know this sense of control and confidence. That's mm. the only thing you can control, um, and so that's that's how it started for me. Really, so that
0: that like sense of control, like resonate. I mean, I can't um, mm-hmm. my. <laughs> I I often tell my wife like the idea of doing an audition I think is my worst nightmare. I I don't mind speaking yeah. in public like I love to speak, but the idea of auditioning to me I think I would rather die. Like to, I'm like just kill it, me yeah. ahead of time. I agree.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But but so so there was something for for you as a writer the the story was important, but but there was this sense of like control or. Mm wanting to see your story come out. Like, like what do you, yeah. do, you, do you remember? Like, like, what was it that was there like a movie? Was there like a book? Was there somebody who said something that it just made you give the spark and just be like, no. I gotta do this.
1: It's well, I knew um, my mom was an artist. Mm-hmm. My my parents <clears throat> together my father was like, they were flamenco dancers. I was, I was kind of always in that world of plays and stage and dancing and music. So I knew, I knew, I felt, I felt like I have, you know, of the artist's soul. So I felt kind of mm. creative somehow, but I didn't know where. So I thought it was going to be acting. I, I, I dabbled in photography, um, architecture, you know, drawing that whole thing. Um, uh, but, but the, the writing coming into screen was accidental. Uh, just being there uh, and discovering that craft. But, it, but in terms of, the sense of control, I'm, I'm a big believer in, in the sense of, um, um, I don't know if you've heard that term, the internal locus of control versus external locus of control, uh, which yeah. means there are some people who feel like they're like a leaf on the river, whereas there are some other people who believe they're the captain of a ship. Mm. And uh, And so those who have a strong internal locus of control are like those who feel like they're captains of their ship, meaning that they feel like they can do whatever they want if they put their mind to it. Um, And and they know what they can control and what they can't control. Whereas Mm -hmm. there are other people in this world who believe like life happens to them. They're more like, why is this happening to me? They believe more in in kind of like luck and, uh, you know, things happening that, you know, uh, usually it makes them a little more depressed than other people. But hey, yeah, it's um, it's interesting yeah. <laughs> too. Like you saying that, yeah. I'm like
0: that totally resonates. Like I can, t- I can, I'm definitely like captain of the ship. Um, right. You know, like I have a Bukowski quote tattooed on my arm. That's your yeah. life is your life. I mean, like I, I think that's pretty squarely Typically. down the runway. Yes, <laughs> squarely down the runway. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, that's so interesting. I'm mean, gonna have to like turn and, that yeah, on. Yeah, and I'm really big
1: bit. in philosophy, so every time I read a lot of philosophy, and and uh, you know, when I come across something, it it all it all resonates because it's true to me. Mm. Like you know, if you keep seeing it in different ways, and you also see it in you know Shakespeare and novels mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. movies and songs, like things that that are universally true resonates with people who are a little more observant of the world. And so that's, you're giving that's me I to that's think about I, here.
0: Like I, I have to like, think yeah. about what you're saying. Yeah. um, Man, that, that's just kind of like.
1: <laughs> yeah. Rolling, pause the episode. Yeah, really think like a, There's going to be a lot of those mind blowing things today in 35 minutes.
0: Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes this happens on the podcast. I've said this a bunch of, sometimes it happens where I'm just like, I know I'm supposed to ask you a question. I know that's what happens next in this but I'm yeah. really thinking about what you just said. And so my head is like, mm. oh, it's so interesting. So, um, you know what, I, I gotta I, say,
1: you know, that's what makes great interviewers, by the way. Ew. Those, they, they, you know, there are interviews who have their their index cards with a set of questions oh. and no matter what is said, they just go question to They just go, go down. And there are other interviewers who like really listen, understand they're impacted yeah. by something and then it goes from there. So yeah, there you go. Well,
0: well, I'm tempted <laughs> to go down this rabbit hole of control because I, I think a lot of times, at least as writers, one of the most frustrating parts of the writing life is this aspect of control and it yeah. manifests in a lot of different ways at, at its most fundamental it manifests that many times there are gatekeepers in between that, which you create and that which comes into the world. Right. Yeah. Um, in mm-hmm. In the writing world, there's agents, there's editors, there's this crazy process that goes into being published. In the screenwriting world, right. I imagine it to be worse. Oh, candidly, like yes, I, I yeah, think probably the absolutely. writing novel world has it yeah. easier than screenwriters do. Um, yeah, and so I I think there's that part that clearly I think a lot of us understand we can't control. But there's another piece here that it's kind of open up in my head for you, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it, which is, mm-hmm. um. Oftentimes too, I find this really frustrating in myself. I'm writing something and it Mm -hmm. doesn't match up to what I want it to be. And yet I can't quite control the output. It's in my head. I get it. And yet when it hits the page, it sucks.
1: Yeah, and so I'm, I, I'm well, wondering. Well, like... Welcome to writing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, <laughs> yeah that's the pain of every writer's existence, yeah. right? That that is where that's where the the frustration and the agony comes from. The difference between what's in your head or your vision of yeah. what you want it to be. Uh, so lucky is the writer who can actually translate what's in their mind onto the page. So my question
0: for you, though, is how does yeah. one not let that derail them? Because That sense of frustration is very palpable. That's very emotionally powerful. Mm -hmm. So like, how does one recognize I am out of control of getting my own story onto the page and yet I still have to move forward?
1: Well, that is is the key. Uh, And I will actually challenge you on that, Brian, by saying you are in control. Okay. In the sense that you can take, you know, whatever comes on the page is your first draft and then you know what what else what you do after that on after the first draft Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you look at the words and it create an emotional response in you by looking at those words which is usually oh this sucks right or Mm -hmm. crap or misery right yeah um but you recognize it and then you can do something about it like you can actually start working with it like legos And I, and I really believe that I really believe that, Mm. you know, the impact that words, that words have on the page is, I mean, it's just words, right? The words. somebody, I heard somebody say like the, you know, writing is easy. All the words are in the dictionary. You just Mm -hmm. have to put them in the right order. (laughs) Right. That is where the talent comes in. The talent is put him in the right order. Yeah. So, you know, it could take you one draft. I mean, you know, lucky is, lucky is the writer who can do it right, right away. But I can't tell you, um, you know, I mean, I I was saying that I'm working on my first novel. I'm not going to tell you how many years I've been working on my first novel, right? And the reason there's been so many years working on it is because I've recognized that it's not good enough. And and I got to, but that's me, right? And it could be, you know, you can say, okay, it's not good enough. I don't think there's ever been, I don't think I've ever met a writer who was totally happy with what they wrote. They always say, well, when is it finished? Well, it's finished when it's out of your hands, in a sense, yeah. especially in screenwriting. You know, a, a, a script is finished or a story is finished when it's when it's shot and produced and that's it, it's out of your hands. But, um, but until you get there, you have complete control over how you put the words together. Mm. And it could tell, and until, until you get to that stage where you give it to someone and they go, wow, and then you give it to another writer, reader, and they go, wow. And you give it to another reader and they go, wow. Well, then you could have a little bit of a confidence that maybe it's there. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. the way, that's my, that's my barometer. It's really the yeah. audience, right? So yeah. I'm not, I, I never give my writing to my mother, <laughs> uh, but, you know, so I, I give it, I give it to, to writers or friends uh, who are readers who I trust, I trust their judgment and so I know that they will tell me if something is good or not. If something works or doesn't. Yeah. 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 And it, that's what it comes down to really the, the, the reader's response. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cause you may not be, you know, you may not be happy with something. It may not be your absolute total um, complete vision of what you're intended. But if it's, but if it's great and by great, I mean that people say it, it's good. Like they really respond to it. And it's really, that's really what you're aiming at. Right. I mean, I think all of us who are writing have the same desire, which is to impact a reader mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or if you're a screenwriter to impact viewers in a the theater, but, or playwright, right. Um, or singers and, and anybody who communicates through art wants to impact an audience in some yeah. way. Yeah. And so that's it. So, so the audience is your barometer more than you.
0: Oh, that's, challenging yeah. i'm not gonna lie that as you're saying that it is. that's that you're it is you're, yeah. you're challenging me because i've right. very safely been writing in a cocoon where yeah. the barometer was myself <laughs> yeah. and well you are a
1: barometer up until it, it, it you give right. it to other readers yeah
0: but, but you're 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 stressing an interesting point which is like um what at least, and this is an individual question, right? But like what, at what point is something, and I don't want to say good enough, but but essentially what we're saying is it's like, it's 90% good and it's 10% stuff you don't like. And if you can get to 90% in a year and then the next 10% takes you 10 more years, is there a value in the 10% or is it better to ship it and keep moving? And this is a perspective- That is
1: up to you. Yeah, Yeah. you're right. It is an individual question. That is not really up to you. And, and, yeah. and believe me, I, I've, I, know, I know writers in the entire spectrum yeah. from, you know, oh, it's, you know, who believe 10% is good, 90% is crap, and they still want to get it published. Uh, and then I know writers who are like, I want it to be 99% good. Yeah, yeah. Right? And they'll, they'll do it. But that's up to them, right? right. I mean, There's it's up no to them agent. if they want to start, if they're really antsy and impatient to get out there and get an agent. And then there's writers who really uh, value the craft and, and value the audience response, and 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 truly will work on it until it's ready to them. Right. You know, right. It's possible Let's, that you may have a loved one who will take it out of your hands and say, "This is good enough." I think uh, there's that famous story with uh, Stephen King, and uh, Stephen King threw away Carrie, right? Carrie, with Carrie. yeah, with and, Carrie. His, and his wife, his wife yeah. picked it up with of the garbage, right? Well, yeah. that's a perfect example.
0: Of that. Yeah. Yeah, one in a zillion that that's yeah, happened. If that, <laughs> that game
1: wasn't there, we would have never seen Carrie. There you go.
0: One in one zillion. Yeah. Um, let's let's change gears a little bit. One of the sure. things, so I found you through a YouTube video. Um, I was saying before we started recording, I like to walk my dog in the morning and listen to YouTube craft talks because I just find them so engaging. Probably why I like hosting podcasts as well. Um, and so found you and I bought uh, Writing for Emotional Impact and read that and Mm -hmm. um it it really fit in line i was actually reading another book on writing emotional fiction and Mm. one here's here's an observation i had there are one zillion books on plot and on character and a a lot of like these like core pieces of writing there is not as many on emotional writing writing it writing with emotion and i'm curious like why do you think it is writers we focus so much on like the mechanics of a character moving or plot or whatever it might be, but tend to leave like, what's the emotion the character is going through? I don't want to say as an afterthought, but certainly not as like the primary thought a lot of times as we're drafting and writing.
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, My perspective on that, and it's only my perspective is that, they believe, as many people believe, that the emotional effect of an audience is completely personal, ethereal. Mm. You can't control it. It is or it isn't. A person might like a book and the same person might dislike a book. You have no control over that. And I'm one of those people who who disagrees. I believe that you do have control over the emotional part. It's just a matter of knowing how to do it. So that's craft. And to me, craft means you're able to achieve the result you want consistently. In other words, it's, it's more objective mm. than people mm. think it is. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think because it's art and there's a certain amount of subjectivity, obviously, you know, but there's also craft and craft is objective. And so I'm one of those kind of left brain people, like I really analyze and reverse engineer. Mm-hmm. I feel well, how, does, how did that effect happen? Because it's not like you felt an effect once. You felt, you felt that effect several times, the same effect, right? We all okay. feel like when we watch a uh, suspense, right? we all feel suspense at the exact same moment, the exact same way. So you just have to figure out, well, how was that achieved? And then you marry that technique with your art I'll, it just makes me think of my, my, my favorite quote for writing of all time uh, by, it's by uh, Jorge Luis Borges, the, mm-hmm. the Argentinian short story writer. And he said, art is fire plus algebra. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, isn't that great? Yeah, I, when I teach, I always oh, end, so I always end my, my lectures with that quote because algebra can be taught. Algebra is objective. But if you want to make art, you got to marry it with fire. Mm-hmm. And fire is you. Fire is your talent, your creativity, what's in your brain, your experiences, what you want to say, all the stuff that people think is art, which it is, but they're forgetting the algebra. So the reason you see a lot of books on the you know, plot character, which what I call the foundational basics, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. those basics, because, because they're, they're readily understood. And you, yeah. could, you could teach that, right? And that's the only thing you can teach. A lot of people don't believe that you can teach emotional impact. And obviously, um, you know, I, I kind of did that. I think I did that. There's more to learn. I mean, um, I remember when I wrote that book at the time, there is a chapter on theme, but I had a very, you know, rudimentary not, uh, understanding of theme and how it's achieved on the, on the page. And and I'll be honest, I, I I didn't have a hundred percent grasp on theme. Yeah. And I knew it was really important. Um, And so through the years, since I published that book, I've been obsessed with trying to figure out theme and especially how it connects to the purpose of stories. Like I've always been trying to, you know, I I mean, I'm, I'm the kind of guy who asks why a lot. I, 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 I like my drive in life is to understand things, right? to understand how things work. And so the purpose of stories really fascinated me. Like, why do we have stories? And wow. so I took a, re- a really deep dive into storytelling and the evolutionary purpose of stories. It is, evo- it is There's an evolutionary purpose to them. We would not survive as a civilization without stories. And so that connects the theme. And so I want to know, well, what if if you're not writing to theme, then you're you're failing in your story, no matter how great it could be. It's just not up to its purpose. It's oh boy, universal let's go. purpose. Yeah. Let's go there. Yeah.
0: Let's go there.
1: <laughs> I if you
0: only knew yeah. how many podcast episodes of the past six months I have asked the question of theme, uh yeah. you would you would maybe have a big smile on your face. We we just had a coaching call a couple of weeks ago in Happy Writer, and we talked a lot about theme because it is so mystical. And I'm also yeah, totally yeah. here for any, any of these like esoteric existential discussions about the nature of storytelling and why it's important. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm there for it, but to keep us from going down into the philosophical existential <laughs> goo to keep yeah, us into it's... the, the practical storytelling world, let's talk theme though, yeah. because I do yeah. think theme and emotion have something to me, at least they relate to humanity, to, to, to people in, in a way that I think is sometimes the missing gap in storytelling and storytellers is this idea that it's a human, it's not a plot. It's not even character. It's human. And to tell good stories, you have to, you have to know people, you have to know yourself and others. Um, theme is one of those things though, it's really hard to grasp. Like what, like, Mm -hmm. let's just start. I'd love to hear the treatise. Like, what is your thoughts on it? Where did you wind up with theme? How does it relate? Let's just, let's just go there. Let's, let's do all of it.
1: Yeah. So, um, so, so my whole point of talking about theme, uh, originally was to answer that question is why, why people don't teach it because Mm -hmm. there's that mystical aspect to it. And because a lot of people don't understand it and granted when I, at the time I didn't really understand it fully, uh, now, now it's, it's, it's the focus of everything. To me, it starts there. Uh, once you have the, the general concept and, and and I remember uh you know through through my you know I'm, I'm constantly reading like you and listening to mm-hmm. stuff and always trying to trying to trying to uh, learn about the craft and I came across a, a quote by Rod Serling the you know the Twilight Zone creator who said that uh you know most writers think plot character theme in that order mm-hmm. and he he starts all his stories with theme, character, and plot in that order. In other words, he starts with knowing what he wants to say or what it's about, which then creates the character, and the character creates the plot. So it just made me realize mm-hmm. that that in your journey as a writer, because of all the education out there, most people focus on plot and structure, especially in, in screenwriting. It's all like yeah. 90% structure.
0: Same, yeah. Same the uh, so they
1: think, they think plot, character... Theme, so beginner intermediate, the intermediate writer knows focus on character, but the professional writer really thinks about theme. And then um there's another great writer, Patty Shayevsky, who wrote Network, uh screenwriter, who said, Lucky is the writer who knows the theme from the get-go, from the beginning.
0: Hmm. Now,
1: most people, you know, they write, they write different drafts, they discover their theme, but to me, that is that is I won't say a waste of time. It, they discover, and that's fine. But it's a it's a much lengthier process and a much more like a, like a, a struggle with rewriting. Yes. Yes. Uh, once you discover, because then you have to completely change everything. But if you know your theme from the get go, I mean, think. I mean, because characters connect to the theme, and of course, characters lead to plot. So so theme to me is everything. Um, and and recently, I discovered even something even what's more important than theme, but we'll get to it. <laughs> okay. So
0: let's, let's, you, yeah. you, you just described the past, like I've been working on um, the same novel for like six years mm-hmm. and I added it up. I, I shared this recently. I, I added it up in the j- different drafts and I'm pushing a half million words written against one concept. Mm-hmm. Because as you said, I started out with a, an idea Mm-hmm kind of came up with some characters and plot wrote probably three or four full stories i'm not and i'm not exaggerating different character set and then i take yeah. one character and rewrite it with a different yeah, yeah. character set take one from yeah. there and now i'm on the i think the fifth or sixth complete rewrite of this work yeah. i mean like it and it's been years of my life It looks like you're
1: in search. You're, you're searching for your
0: theme. But, and so, and so this is, this is, this is where I'm leaning. The question is I do wish I looked back and thought, I wish I knew my theme going into this. I'd have made my life a whole hell of a lot easier, but how do you find a theme? Like, like, how is it like, this is the thing I've struggled with. And I've listened to every book on theme. I search YouTube every day for theme. And it's always like, I, I can't seem to find something that has resonated with me. So I'm curious, like, how do you approach this task? How do I I approach finding? How do you do it?
1: So it starts with, so let's, let's backtrack to the purpose of stories. So evolutionary speaking, right? We've evolved through stories Mm -hmm. because stories are, are how to manual for life. Mm -hmm right? Like we have how-to manuals for everything except life. So, and, and life, we want to, you know, we, we, we want to know how to live. So that's mm-hmm. what philosophy comes in. But philosophy, you know, is kind of dry to, to read. And so we need to marry it with entertainment because what they find out is that, and, and our brain evolved with stories. So, mm-hmm. so in other words, the brain that we have today is built to see everything through stories. Like everything you do, you could break it down to a story. Including, you know, you woke up this morning, you did a podcast, you had dinner with your kids and wife, and then you went to bed, right? That's a story, beginning, middle, mm-hmm. and end. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you learned something, maybe you discovered something, maybe you discovered something great that you want to share to other people, because you know that if you share it with other people, they, their life would be better for it. So that sharing is the story. Right. So if you know that the purpose of a story is to teach something, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what is the lesson you want to teach? So, one of the the exercises I give to my um, UCLA students is when they don't know their theme. I tell them, imagine you've been invited to give a TED talk. Right. And you know how the TED talk, you know, they always talk about something important, something amazing, something useful. Uh, and at the very end, there's like 30 seconds where they summarize and they end with that big nugget, which is the the statement of what they want to say. It's, it's the right the one sentence of what they want to say, which encompasses the entire speech. Now, imagine you have 30 seconds. You're out there giving the TED talk that's going to be seen by millions of people. What are you going to say in those 30 seconds? Mm. Right. So it's it's an exercise in imagination. Right. You figure Mm -hmm. out what you want to say and then you have that that nugget right now. So that nugget. Is what. Your character, your main character, hopefully, but not necessarily. And I'll explain the difference as the protagonist who has a character arc. Right. That is the lesson he or she has to learn, which means now I go to the very opposite of that. And that's where they start. The novel with that belief whatever belief it is that's the opposite of what they have to learn hmm. right and this you probably come across this is what everybody talks about character arc right? yeah right uh but a protagonist does not necessarily have to go character arc as long as they they change somebody else or they change something that mm-hmm. is the point of your novel right so and and we call those like traveling angel movies. That's you know a, a stranger comes to town, changes the people, and leaves. Right. So right, right. Uh, the the Pixar movie Wall-E is a good example of that. Wall-E, the robot starts. He's a he's a fully human being, right? But the right. person who changes is Eva, right? Eva. Yep. And the other robots. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, so they all learn to. And the theme for that, by the way, Andrew Stanton and shared that in an interview once. He said that he wanted to write a a, a movie where. Um, Love overcomes programming. That was his theme. Love overcomes programming, mm. right? So we figure, like, what better, what better character to, you know, he could have, he could have been a character, uh, a human character who's quote programmed, right? In a sense, they always do the same thing; they live on autopilot. There's a lot of people like that in the world, right? Who just go through the same thing, and then yeah. Uh, um, so. And that's not a, a fulfilling life, right? So we know that love is the most fulfilling thing there is, right? It's the most impactful thing because that's also evolutionary based, right? Uh, that's why you see more stories that love is a big part of it, right? Yeah um, but but any any type of change is usually the thematic, right? Now the reason when I talk about this, I usually get a little bit of pushback. Uh, because they think, oh, that seems it's so pedantic. Oh, it's so cliche. Oh, well but, but we're not talking about a character saying that like like getting on a yeah, on right. on, a, on a pedestal and saying, hey, love right. overcomes programming. <laughs> right right right. That right. would be your TED talk. That would yeah. be your TED talk. But the what what a story does is that it hides it. And the reason it hides it, is because it's more palatable to an audience, and and I'll give you an example. It's an analogy I also give in my in my in my classes, which is: Do you have a pet?
0: I do. do you? I have a okay. beloved A so, beloved pet.
1: A beloved pet. So <laughs> beloved do you ever dog. give them, like you know they ha- they have to get him? Uh, they have to eat, they have to some medicine sometimes. You have to get, you have to give them a pill. Yep. Yep. Right. And what you do? You get this product called uh, Pill Pockets. Right? I've never. I don't know I... you know that product. Okay, it, it's basically a thing where you—it's a, it's a treat. It's a dog treat, and you put the the medicine inside. Okay, and and you coat it so that the dog will eat it, because the, otherwise the dog will not eat the medicine.
0: Interesting. Right? Okay. Okay.
1: Right. So so to me, that's the analogies of stories. Mm-hmm. So stories are little pill treats where the theme is the medicine, the kernel that needs to be learned, mm-hmm. to make it more enjoyable to grasp. And um, people have done like neuro scans of brain. So now the thing that I found fascinating in my deep dive on stories is is how much of the the neurochemistry of the brain actually matches the craft of storytelling. Your brain is designed to appreciate these things. So um, there's this graph somewhere um, on the internet or something um, where you see a a brain um, absorbing facts like in a nonfiction book, and the brain absorbing fiction. The, the brain that is absorbing facts, there's like two parts of the brain that, that is most active. The brain that that is uh, consuming fiction has like 10 different things in the brain that like Like there's I believe like, it. it's a lot more lively, I right? And that's it. why it's more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why it's more people absorb information. Hmm. more readily through fiction or through stories than through nonfiction and that's why now it's like businesses and advertising yeah. that are yeah. into it because they know that that's the effect right so uh so you want to so that's what stories do right but but the purpose is if a writer is doing just the the pill pocket stuff like just the sugar sugar coating right yeah they, but they don't have the important thing in there yeah then you're not writing to purpose in other words the purpose of your story is is to have that little kernel And if the kernel is not there that's the feeling you get when you read a book and you go oh, okay yeah that was entertaining but then it's for, it's forgotten yeah right or you walk out of the theater and say oh yeah that was fun but you know, you forget about it the next 30 seconds right because it didn't have cool. that that kernel yeah yeah
0: and i i mean everything you're saying completely resonates um like I've, I've so many things. I always say too, after I do yeah. podcast interviews, I always have to go for a walk. I just think about everything because my head's always ready to explode. So I have to like yeah, go yeah, think yeah. And like process through everything. But let me let me ask you this. So yeah. we live in a world that is um we are a postmodern society, right? So we have mm-hmm. thrown off the shackles of modernism. Uh we believe in subjective reality, subjective truth. Um and that one truth that I may have is not uh, a truth that I should be imposing on others or promoting to others. And so can you I give think, me an example.
1: I, um, or you want to keep you want to keep it to yourself?
0: I I don't know if I had an example. I I would I would be willing to share one. I don't know if I can come up with one on the spot. Okay. I think it's more. I wonder, I wonder if some of the reason why some stories and and maybe even for me personally, maybe I'm just speaking to myself here, which happens a lot, is that maybe there's a fear of making those big statements. Maybe, maybe there is a fear for writers of putting their truth inside of a, inside of the story because there's a risk there. I think I I I can answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I can answer. I think, I think, I think I understand what, what he's trying to get at. And the key word is their truth, Mm. or your truth, Mm -hmm. or his truth, or her truth. Because in order for a story to really resonate, it's got to be a universal truth. It's got to be a truth that every single human being shares. Not one person, not another, but everyone. And so the stories that resonate, that's why, you know, again, the stories that resonate are the stories where the truth is across the board. It's what I call universal truths, right? I always get into philosophical debates with my friends about truth, right? Truth with a capital T, Yeah, because they say, well, well, what about my truth? And your truth?" well, there's no such thing as your truth and my truth. There's only truth. And there's only one truth, which is the the capital T. And I'm not talking about one truth, like in the religious sense, I'm talking about truth that is universal, that that is unfalsifiable in a sense. And I mean, you can't, you can't, you can't um, say that, you know, love is better than being alone, or being, you know, completely disconnected, right? I mean, okay, prove it, right? And I've never seen a story where, you know, uh, somebody who was lonely and suffering, because you can have a, a character who's lonely and happy. In that case, well, that's their, that's the truth you're talking about. That's their truth, but it's not, a, it's not a, a truth that everyone will resonate with. Mm. You know what I mean? And so it's really up to the writer's courage if they have a certain truth that they one hundred percent believe in, um, and want to share that with the world. I don't think there's anything wrong with that.
0: Yeah, and I think I think maybe yeah. maybe what you said is is the is the part where I feel tripped up, which is this idea of yeah. universal truth, and, and you said yeah. capital T truth, right? And that that made me think of the um, David Foster yeah, Wallace, I mean, like he always said, it's capital T truth. That was like the. David yeah. <laughs> while statement yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that 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 trips me up because again, the, in the world in which we live, and and maybe this is where the role of storytelling really comes into play, is mm. is asking this question: like, do we have that still? Is there such thing as universal truth? Like, like, do it? Yes. Is there yeah. universal truths, or are we
1: absolutely
0: set to see on the sea of yeah. <laughs> the subjective postmodern <laughs> truth? You know what I mean? Right,
1: right, right. Well, that's that's what I truly believe. That I sounds believe, like that's. The I mean, all the, all the successful <laughs> stories, and and you see that you, I see that in a thirty second commercial, like a really well crafted yeah. thirty second ad. I was um, I, I was invited years ago to to speak to um, the huge huge global company, mm-hmm. uh, to their marketing team because they, they do emotional advertising, right? They, they sell their product, which is not really a a good product, I would say, but, but their, their advertising is all emotional, makes you feel good. It's great. Like, and the way they do that is by really telling great stories that are universally true. Um, you know, and they focus on happiness and joy. I mean, who's going to argue against happiness and joy in life. Right. So, um, that's, that's, that's the key, right? So, um, so yeah. every story that is successful, every story that resonates to more than a handful of re- writer readers, right? Yeah. Uh, is successful because it resonates universally, right? The classic films or the classic plays, I mean, Shakespeare is still being put up today, you know, 500 years later, uh, because it told timeless themes timeless lessons that are, that are universally true, right? It's yeah. not a time thing. It's not a cultural thing, right? Although you could argue that some films are more successful in certain countries than others. But generally, if you talk about the movies that are successful across the world, um, th- those tell timeless things. And so that, to me, is the truth. Right. That's yeah. the kernel. That is the purpose of a story. If if the things that they that they espouse is not true, we would not survive. We would not have survived. Well, the reason we survived is because we learned those truths that made our life better or more fulfilling um, since the beginning of time. oh Oh so boy. the key is to know how to do it. I think yeah. all the all all your listeners and all the writers there. It's oh okay, so how do you do it? How do you do it? All right. So you you go to my website and you purchase this webinar. <laughs> yeah, I do. Have, I do We're have a webinar about it. But
0: nine um, easy payments yeah. of nine ninety nine. Exactly. I right, tell right, right. you. <laughs>
1: um, but but basically, so here's the thing. Most people think that it's so in terms of finding theme if, if you really don't know what to say you can always find what to say because you know um i remember a, a long time ago one, one of the um one of the big time screenwriters in my book said that they always they one of the things they like to do is which was surprising to me but uh but very effective which is to go grab a book of proverbs mm. or a book of quotations uh, the thing that surprised me, I said he, they, 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 he goes for uh, children's books. He goes to the library and goes to the kids section and goes for those really children's books because they're all very thematic, but very simplistic, right? Very simply right. told for children, but they're very thematically on point. And they so they, they, he is able to find some themes that are universal that then kind of trigger some imagination, you know, and create stories around that. But here's the thing about stories. Stories are not, again, stories are not somebody getting on the pulpit and preaching it. That is how you not do theme. The way you do theme is you let an audience discover it on mm-hmm. their own through the story. And the way they do that is by connecting to the character mm-hmm. who is learning that lesson. The character is learning that because... One of the the emotional or things that are happening when you read a story uh, is that you you become the character. you You jump into the character, right? The character is your proxy for you to learn. It's kind of like um, a simulation thing, right? You know, you know, like uh, air- airline pilots, the way they mm-hmm. train, they cannot train on an airplane because they, they would crash, right? So they themselves. train, yeah. they learn how to fly a plane, they train through simulation, right? right? And so that's what stories do, right? Stories are simulation machines where you're able to see um, in the span of two hours or an hour or 30 minutes or a book, six hours, whatever time it takes you to read, you go through that experience in the comfort of your own home, in the comfort of your your Reading book mm-hmm. or your bed or the theater, um, and learn that lesson through that character who actually mm. struggles to learn that lesson, who goes through a lot more danger to learn that lesson, um, and so that's the way we consume stories. So you got to do it through a character. Now the character is not gonna learn. it's not gonna start the story by saying, "Oh, you see." The character goes to the library, picks up a, a book of proverbs. Finds the lesson and then goes, ha-ha, that's not how it happens. Because I figured it hard. out. <laughs> exactly, right? So what you do is the character, the reason you have a character struggling through an experience, right, is one, because we know that change is hard. Uh, but two, is that you, you see the character trying to figure it out for themselves rather than hearing it right? Mm-hmm. So good, a great example, whenever I talk stories, right, I bring up Star Wars because it's like, you know...
0: My favorite movies.
1: Right? Everybody, Everybody's yeah. favorite. Everybody knows. And, and it's very right on point, right? It's the, the hero's journey. It yep. fits everything, right? So, you know, what's the lesson that uh, that Luke has to learn? Right? Like, you know, trust the Force, Luke, right? That's what Obi-Wan tries to teach him. And actually, he's teaching him throughout the movie, right? right. But... but you know, he's not, he's not getting it right away. He has to get it at the very last second where everything is at stake in that little cockpit where he decides to not use the technology and trust the force. And right. that was the lesson, right? Granted, it's still a very ethereal spiritual concept, but still, um, so, but it brings me to this point that stories are thematic arguments. So here's where, here's the crux mm. of stories here in terms of how to do it. It's a thematic argument between two sides, and the two sides battle each other, and the character has is in the in the middle, and they have to figure out which one is the right, the right side. Preferably they are one side, they're they're in the wrong side, according to, to you, the writer. Um, and they have to get to the other side, and then you create a story where they vacillate between the two, and that's what it is. So when when I tackle theme once I know what the lesson is I try to figure out what's the thematic argument of the story it's not just one word you know you don't say well the the, the you know Star Wars is about the force or you know uh this movie is about justice or about love right that's one word right you got to think of what the argument is so right. usually it's the opposite so if it's somebody who has to learn to to love well you start with a character who doesn't know how to love or a character who's completely disconnected. So you have disconnection versus connection and that's the two. And then you put the character in those situations where he can choose one or the other. Preferably he's, he chooses the wrong one and you go ah shoot, <laughs> right? And because you care about the character, you hope, you like you hope that they're going to get it. Yeah. And when they don't get it, you go ah, and then you're more and more engaged because now you want you want to see them finally get it and that's what connects you from page to page to page or minute to minute to minute until they finally get it. And when they get it, they're, you're happy. You're happy and for them ba- and you learn a lesson in the back of your mind.
0: And you've made the thematic argument. You've closed right. that loop and they find through,
1: through their choice, it. right? Their choice, right? The, the, their the choice epiphany, it, right? The epiphany yeah. of, the, of the character is the lesson. Is the, is 10, the lesson. 12, final 30 seconds. Yeah. And you don't oh. want to preach it, but you certainly could have a character say it here and there, you know. Uh, like Obi Wan says it. Yeah, but, but really, it's up to the character choosing, right? And right. the character choosing, um, you know, Titanic is another one. A lot of people don't don't give enough credit to Titanic because they think, you know, will the dialogue, the cheesy, and yeah, you know, we, you know, but James Cameron is a master at this. All these movies are successful and and box office mega successful mm-hmm. because it's universally told. He knows how to tell a story. And he's even talked about, it, he's even said that, you know, you start with characters we care about, but ultimately they go through an experience where they learn something that's universal, something that everybody yeah. needs to learn, right? And when you think about what is the one thing that everybody needs to learn in this crazy world, that's why we always want to have stories because there's always something to write about. I'm there's always, you, you know, we see this. the world... We see yeah. the news and we go, oh my God! If only they knew blank. And so there right. you go. Yeah, you have uh, you know you want to find like if you you you're dying for ideas, just just look at the news, because the, yeah. the news is characters who don't get who don't get the universal truth, right? They're believing the opposite and chaos ensues,
0: right? Yeah. and you're, so you're, you know bringing-
1: you know what the answer is. Yeah, you can't just get out there and, and go on, on a pulpit because I always say, you know, if you want to just tell people right away, then do a TED talk, write an essay, write a nonfiction book.
0: That's right, fine. Right,
1: There's nothing wrong right. with that. But if you want to entertain as well, because because that's the two, right? It's, it's the it's the pill pocket, right? If you want to tell your lesson in an, in a way that it's going to be mass understood, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm and also get the things that you dream about, which is the success of having a bestseller or having a movie produced or you know awards or whatever, um, you need to code it in this craft of entertainment because that's the way the brain works. Yeah. To absorb it better.
0: Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> you, like this, this will be. I just looked outside. This I will be know a three-hour
1: podcast, Brian. You're gonna have to do little installments: part we're, one, part I, two, part three.
0: Well, I was <laughs> I was looking at the time, and I was like, I don't want to have to wrap us up, but I'm like, oh boy, we're we are if we are, you have
1: to. No worries. You can yeah. always invite me back. I well, I
0: I was actually I'm gonna totally put you on the spot here. I would love to have you on the show again for part two, but also, sure. um, I I would love we we have we have uh, lots of um courses and classes inside of happy writer we bring teachers in and i would love to just have a workshop on theme because it's been so topical with our members Mm. and everyone i feel like it's we've hit on it a lot but just to underscore i feel like it's one of the pieces that's so important of storytelling but also probably the least understood or the least accessible um and and it's totally. not necessarily i understand the concept of theme relating to plot relating to character and the interconnectivity of those three things it's more oh man i don't know if you just heard that there's a huge thunderstorm coming through and charleston like every oh. afternoon it's like a downpour it's like just gray rain outside my window <laughs> um and there's like thunder and lightning right outside the oh crashes God. that's what it's from but um anyways what 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 I think is always missing, and I'd love to bring you in and and just pick your brain more about mm-hmm. this, is this concept of universal truths and relating to the discovery mm-hmm. of theme is to me it's yeah. a unique perspective I've not heard, and it's uncomfortable to the point that demands more examination on my part because, like I said, this idea of universal truth, I feel like is mm-hmm. a shunned concept yeah and and yet. I consume stories in every part of my life that are hollow. And if one believes in like, you know, the Jungian, you know, archetypes and shared consciousness and, and this like kind of history that like, as people, we share a common uh, psychological and spiritual heritage that we are born into birth into one, one, I think could also argue then that, that there are truths that we share. Yeah. As being part of the human race, and and so you saying no that, about is, it, yeah, yeah, you saying that, I, I'm mm-hmm. having to mm-hmm. divorce it from cultural truths, which I think have sometimes been destruct- mm-hmm. destructive, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you know, women can't vote was a cultural truth a hundred years ago. That's a bad right. one. You know what I mean? <laughs> that like right. like bad cultural truth. Exactly. But with yeah. human oh. truth, which is a different concept, right. Oh, okay, Carl, I have to do this. I, I have to wrap us up here for the sake of, of our time. Um, I'm going to ask you our final question. Uh, no so, so I ask every sure. guest on the show the exact same questions because I just, uh, okay. I love the answers I get, but I also, you know, a big part of the show is to inspire and, and empower writers to find their way to put words on the page. I firmly believe right. one of the hardest parts of this life is not learning about plot. Uh, the hardest part of the life mm-hmm. is learning how to sit down every day and put words on the page yeah. and, and to wrestle with mm-hmm. yourself. And so I hope that these right. answers give people context and they make you laugh, sure. but also some ideas of how you might um right. well, create that, your That would own fall world.
1: under the writing, uh, writing habits category.
0: The writing habits, perfect. So just, yep. you know,
1: there's the 101 Habits book. The 101 which is, Habits you know, as well. The yeah. Habits. Yeah. And then yep. you got the writing emotional impact for the craft and then yep. the two together, you know. So so All with right.
0: that said, I'm going to ask you these final questions. Sure. Um, sure. And I'll take it from there. So question number one is this. What do you see is your role as a storyteller in this world?
1: Uh, my role is to teach. Mm. I, I mean, I discovered that no matter, I mean, from the very beginning, I wanted to be in that world of, of impacting an audience. And I always wondered why, like, I think that's what it is. I've always been a teacher at heart. And I mean, most, most of my time is spent teaching and consulting and um, being interviewed and sharing teaching yeah. you know, yeah. uh, nuggets, right? So that's something I do naturally. Uh, and, and I realized because writing is so enjoyable in terms of the emotional impact on others, um, that that you can teach that way in a sense you know, Hmm. like thematically as we talked about. So, so my purpose, I think is to teach for sure. Wow. That was the big, did you hear that?
0: Oh my gosh. Yes. That was very close outside my house. Wow.
1: Wow.
0: Okay. Question number two, (laughs) Uh, question number two, what is the one word that best describes you?
1: Ooh, Wow one word there's so many that describe me i can't even pick one but you had to pick um, one
0: which which would which uh
1: i would say understanding i'm understanding only because that's my drive like i was drive to understand and i and i also I, you know i was going to say like you know kind and compassionate because i understand other people and mm. their feelings and mm. so i know that you know i i pay attention to that in a sense i feel that's natural by now but So, but understanding encompasses everything because I'm I'm more philosophically inclined. I like to learn all the time in order to understand. So it's understanding. Interesting. Big one with a capital U. Yeah, Yeah. capital U.
0: Um, Okay, question number three. If you had to pick a spirit book and because you're a screenwriter, I'm going to let you do a spirit movie. And this is like, if you were to die and you were able to be reincarnated as a book or as a movie,
1: what book or movie would it be?
0: It's the one that just wow. most closely resonates with
1: who you are. What would it be? In other words, what is your most favorite book? In a sense, is that what? the... I think it's okay. If I had to be reincarnated as a book, to? I will just. Yeah. I, will, I mean, I was thinking about my favorite book. I have two of them, but uh, but one of them is one of them is probably the top one. So, if I had to be reincarnated into that book, in terms of. The impact that book has. I am going to mention The Little Prince. The Little Prince Prince by uh, Antoine de Saint Exupery. Antoine de Saint Exupery. Yeah, the Little, the Little Prince. Everybody knows the Little Prince. I hope. Yes, my favorite book. The Little Prince.
0: All right. Um, Okay. Question number four: Is there a specific tool, and it can be anything at all—pencil, software, chair, coffee, tea—anything that you Mm. absolutely must have to write?
1: Wow! 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 Well, I'm sure everybody says coffee, for sure. Big coffee drinker. Yeah, uh, you a lot of coffees. Yep. Uh, I, was, I was recently gifted a a, um, a fountain pen, mm-hmm. which I enjoy now writing in the notebook. But but I wouldn't say it's absolutely necessary because you can always write in your laptop. Um, yeah. I mean, if you're a writer, I mean, I guess the cliche answer is pen and paper. Yeah yeah but coffee for sure coffee Coffee. i don't think i'll be able to function creatively without coffee and with with your favorite book on your side you know like find your favorite author and really you know i'm a big believer in in emulating success Mm -hmm. that was the basis of the one-on-one habits of Mm -hmm. uh, screenwriters which was i think i i think the, the the quote on it that that was the the heart of the book um, right. Actually, yeah, it's, it's funny. It's a Tony Robbins thing. The secret to success in any field is to find what successful people do, think about and act on and do the same. Yeah. So basically if you, if you study, you know, that's, and that's what your podcast does as well. So uh, I would think just if you have a favorite author, really not just read them, but analyze them, deconstruct mm. them, annotate them, uh, really go deep into how do they do it on the page, and do that.
0: Yeah, that this is the second advice. week in a row yeah. that Tony Robbins has come up. Oddly enough, um, yeah, on the show. Okay, yeah. uh, question number five: How do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life? Passion,
1: passion, passion is passion is the sail on your boat. Yeah. right so no matter how what the, the waves get big or you know that that's the thing that carries you through yeah I mean I constantly I mean I've gone
0: yeah you know really it's funny like
1: the the 101 habits book the experience of 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 interviewing those writers actually turned me off completely from screenwriting I was off of screenwriting for like years hmm. because i because there's a lot of horror stories in there from the top writers I mean these are A-list writers who was tell, were telling me the realities of the business, and I was like, "Oh my god, I don't think I can do that," mm-hmm. and so it turned me off. But because I'm such a, a lover of of this craft of screenwriting and movies and TV, uh, then I came back to it. But in terms of, you know, you you have to have, and including in in publishing and novels, you have to have pretty thick skin. You have to accept rejection. But ultimately, what overcomes the rejection, and you get up again is the, the passion. It's the passion. You have to really, truly love the craft of writing. Otherwise, yeah. there's other there's other better things to do that are less painful, right?
0: Yes, that's the truth.
1: <laughs> this is the truth. And, okay. I, and well, I think that goes across any field, right? Any field, the yeah. reason people do it despite the ups and downs is the passion and the love for it. Yeah,
0: agreed, agreed. Okay, last question for you. If you could give one mm-hmm. piece of advice to new writers out there, what would it be?
1: So I have this thing written down because because I I heard I heard the, you know your podcast before in order to see what the podcast was about I, yeah. and I figured that that's the question you would ask at the end so yeah. I'm like okay what can I say as my last word, but I, I I was looking through my notes and I came across this thing that I actually wrote down in caps to to always see, and you probably heard this a hundred times in terms of how deadlines are so impactful for really accomplishing things, and so this particular it's not a quote. It's just like a a three things, but I have it like almost framed here and it is uh, a dream plus a date equals a goal, Mm -hmm. a goal divided by steps equals a plan, a plan plus actions equals a dream come true.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. So I'm just, it constantly reminds me to really set set deadlines or, uh, you know, put it on my schedule, you know, my calendar to show up and sit on the chair and do it. Uh, Or to even have a plan like, like, uh, you know, the moment I actually like actually planned the steps in my my novel in progress, because it was like, you know, research and outlining and figuring out things and all this stuff, like to actually plan it out and say, okay, from this this week I'm gonna do this and yeah. tomorrow I'm gonna do that. And to have it that it's actually very helpful. You feel very productive, yeah, you know, that you're actually um accomplishing something. So totally that would be my advice.
0: Love it. Love it. Um, Carl, where can people find you online?
1: Um, Carlyglacius.com is okay. my uh, website. Um, if you're interested in, um, uh, UCLA classes, uh, it's UCLA extension. So it's open for anybody to sign up. I don't, I don't always teach every quarter. Um, so make sure that I, if you want to, you know, learn with me that, that I'm teaching that quarter. Um, but otherwise I do, you know, write my book. I mean, buy my books and, and I do have webinars from classes that have been recorded that you can actually, uh, hear classes on any part, including theme. If you awesome.
0: Missed. Awesome. Um, Carl, this has been like a, a amazing hour. I feel like my brain is like melted a little bit. And <laughs> I have to think, I have to think and like actively think, I don't know if you do this, but I, I have to think while having like a pen in my hands. Cause I have to write it all out, mm-hmm. get all my yeah. thoughts on a piece of paper or on my iPad and then try and like yeah. make sense because the theme piece of it, which you said, I didn't quite pull it all down, but something about it really resonated and I need to scratch at it. You know what I mean? Like I got to go deeper with it. And um, it's one of the great joys I get of being able to interview amazing people like you is I get to ask you whatever I want. You know what I mean? And I get to learn and and absorb so much. And so I'm so grateful for you and for your time. And I know this will be one of those episodes I get emailed about forever and um, very topical for our happy writer community as well. So I thank you so much. Uh, it's just oh, been such pleasure. a pleasure for me. Was, yeah, I
1: always love to talk about the craft. So it was my pleasure <laughs> to be here, and and I, I certainly, as somebody who likes to learn as well, I will I will go ahead and and listen to to all your episodes during my walks. Oh, wonderful,
0: <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> thank, thank you so much, Carl. I appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome. Take care. Thank you.
0: thank you again Carl for his time. If you haven't yet, you know the drill. Head on over to Twitter. (laughs) Find me at the underscore Murfinator, or uh, you can check us out on Instagram, although I never post there anymore. It is uh, the, actually, uh, Instagram is happywriter underscore co. Lastly, I just want to say thank you so much for listening, my friends, and I hope you have a wonderful week of writing.